Daily Sense, bringing an informed financial perspective to the Cayman community. A very good morning and warm welcome to Money Sense. I'm Simon Cordry and I'm joined this morning in the studio by my co-host Emil Kalinowski. Good morning, Emil. Good morning, Simon. Today's show is a conversation with Eric Townsend. Eric is the host of his own podcast, Macro Voices, is a hedge fund manager and a retired software entrepreneur. Eric has written a new book titled Beyond Blockchain, The Death of the Dollar and the Rise of Digital Currency. Eric, it is our distinct pleasure to have you on our show. Thank you for joining and welcome to Money Sense. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Simon. Well, without further ado, and as Emil is a regular follower of your podcast, Eric, I'm going to pass the baton over to Emil for our first uh, couple of questions and let him lead off our conversation. Eric, I think the first thing people will think when they hear the title of your book, Beyond Blockchain, is that this is a, another book about Bitcoin and that you're 11 months late, that it was, yes, $19,000 in January. Now you can't even give away a Bitcoin to anybody. So I know that's not the case, though. What is your book about? Well, the book predicts all of those things, and I don't think it's over yet, but the book is absolutely not another blockchain book. What the, the core thesis of the book is, is that we need to start to separate digital currency from cryptocurrency. And the analogy I like to use for this is imagine in the United States, you don't have these problems in Cayman, but in the United States there's all kinds of problems with voter corruption. Let's, let's suppose somebody invents a new way of running elections, a new election voting machine, that is completely and totally impervious to hacking and voter corruption and so forth. Well, we have to welcome that invention. It has to be a good idea. And digital currency, by the same token, is a good idea. But now suppose that whoever invented that voting machine decides, is, hey, I'm a smart guy, I invented this machine, I'm going to stage my own elections and I'll be in charge of who the elected officials are. Wait a minute. <laughs> Hang on. That's that's not legitimate. What has happened is the people who invented digital cash decided to see how long they could get away with coining their own money. And my prediction is that as much as, as a, a libertarian at heart, I would love to see private money successfully compete with government-issued money. I don't think it can be successful long-term. For thousands of years of monetary history, we have seen that governments have been in charge of coining money, and they don't let anybody else other than their own central banks and designated banks that they appoint to have this privilege. So I don't think that libertarian privacy activists that have been getting away with coining their own money are going to continue to be allowed to do so. But what will happen is the cat's out of the bag. The digital current, the invention of digital currency is critical. And I do expect that digital currency will completely revolutionize the monetary system. And I don't mean tomorrow or next week or next month. I mean over the next 20 to 30 years. I think that we will eventually get to the central prediction of my book, which is eventually many years into the future, the U.S. dollar will be replaced as the world's global reserve currency by a digital currency. Now, that does not mean a cryptocurrency, which is what the cryptocurrency crowd seems to think is, you know, Bitcoin's going to take over the world and it's going to replace the dollar as the global reserve currency. I think that is profoundly unlikely. What is very clear, though, is China and Russia are very plugged into this. They are paying close attention and they're doing a lot of research. The People's Bank of China 
filed more patents on digital currency technology in 2017 than all of the cryptocurrencies combined. So there's something going on here. Russia and China are looking at digital currency technology, and I think that their aim is to use it as a tool to eventually oust the uh, U.S. dollar from its role as global reserve currency. Could you perhaps, Eric, just help me understand perhaps what the distinction is between a di digital currency in your link, um, lexicon and a cryptocurrency then? Sure. I'm defining cryptocurrency as a privately issued uh, digital currency system, which is created for the purpose of competing with government money. And they're using cryptography in order to make it difficult for the government to intervene. So by using a decentralized design, it is much harder for governments to uh, prevent the existence of these cryptocurrency systems than it was for them to eliminate some of the previous attempts at privately issued money, which were centralized. There was a guy in Panama a few years ago. Uh, I'm, I don't remember if it was called DigiCash or DigiGold or something. There was a, a, another private currency, but it was centralized. So all they had to do was find the server that was controlling this thing and seize it and shut it down, and they killed that currency system. Cryptocurrencies are designed with a decentralized architecture, so it's much harder for government to control them, but it's not impossible. And uh, by digital currency, I just mean any digital currency, uh, tech, any currency system which uses this invention of double spend-proof digital cash, which is an invention created by the inventors of Bitcoin. Just last week, we had, or two weeks ago now, we had Christine Lagarde, the head of the IMF, announcing, hey, we should have central bankers looking seriously at issuing central bank-issued digital currency. And that's something I predicted in the book, and I think it's just the very beginning of a trend where eventually governments will realize, hey, these cryptocurrency guys, they use technology for a specific goal, which was to take power away from government. But technology is a double-edged sword. Just as you can design a digital currency to take power away from government, you could design a government-issued digital currency to give government more power and to give them more ability to track and monitor and control financial transactions and know exactly who's got the money and what they're doing with it and so forth. Well, let, let, let me. that's an interesting perspective because I'd, I'd like to quiz you on an area of that. And I just want to try and understand a little bit more as to why do we need a digital currency? It seems as it would seem perhaps to a lot of listeners that they can go into a shop now, they can pay for stuff on the internet without having to hand over bags of gold or um, reams of notes or bags of coins. So it seems as though we, we, we are already living in a world of digital currency in that ones and zeros, digital um, communication allows for the purchase and transfer of assets. What is distinct then about this new type of digital? So I guess it would be the neo-digital currency world, rather because we already are in a digital currency world, aren't we? I think that a major difference, certainly we're already in a digital world, but we're in a world of centralized systems where really it's a, it's a digital check. It's not digital cash. 
And I think that the mechanism of distributed ledger technology, which creates this, uh, this new paradigm of trust in computer systems where nobody is in charge of the database, nobody uh, has the ability to control everyone else. And if you look at what's going on geopolitically right now, so many countries around the world are frustrated with the, uh, what they consider to be the United States abuse of its authority as global reserve currency issuer because the U.S. has done things like sanction banks in Europe for doing business with countries that haven't been sanctioned by Europe, doing things that are perfectly legal within those sovereign uh, territorial boundaries, but they're using the U.S. dollar as their uh, currency of payment, and the U.S. government has decided unilaterally that that gives it the authority to impose sanctions and to try to control the activities of people. This has led to recently the European Union announcing that it wants to create an alternative to the SWIFT payment system, which is not subject to oversight and control of the U.S. government. And it, it's kind of ironic because the existing SWIFT system is owned by a Belgian consortium. You would think it would be independent from U.S. oversight. But the U.S. government has been very successful in uh, in coercing cooperation out of SWIFT. And uh, I think that the, the technology that ha was invented by the cryptocurrency people of distributed ledger allows the creation of currency systems where you don't have one government in charge of the entire system. And I think that uh, that is a, a key innovation that has a number of, uh, of knock-on consequences in terms of not only something like a, a digital currency system, but also eventually a digital sovereign bond market where it becomes possible to finance smaller countries without U.S. banking system and the, uh, the dollar as the, the U.S. currency being at the center of everything. And I think we're seeing a very strong appetite globally to move away from the United States government being in charge of everyone else's affairs. Eric, let me see if I understand this right now. So we are, uh, as, a pub as a public, we're familiar with digital currency, but you're saying that is a representation, these checks, these credit cards, that is a representation of the dollars that we deposit into a bank account. But in the future, because of this distributed ledger, governments are going to forego the whole printing of dollars, and they will simply be able to create dollars and that's what this future uh, digital currency will be based on. And that's the leap. I is that correct? Yeah, the difference between what we have today with digital systems is, you know, we have uh, electronic banking systems and so forth. You've got an ATM card. You go to the bank. Uh, you, you put money in or take money out or do whatever you're going to do. The bank owns its own systems of record. It controls ah, that ledger, mm -hmm. and uh, it has whatever country it's in, it's subject to the oversight of that country's government, and it seems that a lot of people are subject to the United States government's oversight and control, even if theoretically they're in a different jurisdiction. So what distributed ledger does is similar to physical banknotes. If, if you've got a $100 bill, and if, if Simon has a $100 bill and gives it to Emil. Well, okay, hang on a second. He's hang got on. it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll do it the other direction. Okay, fine, let's, it, let's, let's do that. Yeah. 
uh, Emil gives gives uh, or Simon takes the hundred dollar bill from 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 Emil. He's got it. It's in his pocket. It's a done deal. There's no way for the government to go in and say we're going to claw back that transaction and change the database because of our authoritative uh, control over the system. We're going to cause some different outcome. He's physically got possession of the cash. What digital cash is, is an invention that allows the same concept of you can create digital cash. One person gives it to another person and there's no way for any outside authority to, uh, to interfere with the ledger or to oversee it in a way that, that undoes that transaction. And I don't think that governments are going to want to give uh, individuals the kind of economic freedom that cryptocurrencies were designed to give them. But I do think that governments themselves want independence from other governments, and particularly the U.S. government. And I, I think that where it really will come into play is we're seeing, if you look at Bitcoin, which is a private-issued currency that has no government backing, it has no fiat value, it's not convertible into anything, it, it is just bits and bytes on a network. Yet still, these things in a speculative mania went all the way up to whatever, almost $20,000 per, per coin. They're now crashing as I predicted that they would, and I don't think that's over, by the way. But uh, people, I think, are latching onto this and saying the way of the future is digital currency and moving to digital systems and, and to computer technology and internet technology for the global money system. And I think that what's now going on behind uh, closed doors is the governments of China and Russia are saying, hmm, look at what a huge popular success Bitcoin was. We've got this problem, which is we would like to displace the U.S. dollar as the world's global reserve currency. We're sick of the U.S. government having all of the benefits that it derives from being reserve currency issuer. We, we have no realistic chance of promoting the yuan or the ruble as a new global uh, currency system. Nobody would take it seriously. But do we have a chance of inventing a global digital currency system, which we might promote as an alternative to the U.S. dollar and encourage a lot of countries around the world to get on board with. And you're seeing already countries like Malta uh, have al already you know, announced that they want, th they see digital currency as the future, they want to yeah. be part of it. Right now they're looking at cryptocurrencies. I think that if there is eventually a government-issued digital currency, as Christine Lagarde is starting to talk about, that offers, uh, you know, if, if small countries are given the opportunity, look, there's a new international global network of digital currency system, and whatever country wants to can adopt it and make it its, its new national <laughs> currency. I think there's a lot of demand for that, and I think what China and Russia are seeing is, boy, we've got some awfully smart engineers in our countries. Our currency systems are pretty weak right now, but could we invent a digital currency system that could give the U.S. dollar a run for its money yeah. on the global stage. Okay, look, Eric, we, we, were gonna, we have to take a short break here, um, but let's continue that conversation straight after the break and focus back on uh, digital currencies and what that means for, well, for consumers and, and, and investors potentially. So join us again back on Money Sense in one minute's time.
One Tradex knows there's more than one way to invest. One Tradex is the Cayman Islands' only fully licensed online broker-dealer, offering discount trading services to individual investors and traders, hedge fund managers, and family offices. One Tradex has the most competitive online trading prices of any offshore broker worldwide, with no custody or management fees, free demonstration accounts, and no charge to open an account with a $5,000 minimum deposit. Trade stocks, options, futures, bonds, and forex. Learn more and open your free demo account today at onetradex.com. One Tradex, the Cayman Islands' number one choice for online brokerage. One Tradex is licensed to conduct securities investment business by the Cayman Islands Monetary Authority. This is Money Sense, bringing an informed financial perspective to the Cayman community. Brought to you by the CFA Society Cayman Islands and sponsored by One Trade X. And now, more Money Sense. Welcome back to Money Sense and our conversation with Eric Townsend, hedge fund manager and host of Macro Voices, a very popular investment podcast. Eric, before the break, we touched briefly on a few subjects and you mentioned Bitcoin and you mentioned that your recent book talks about the in- inevitable demise, perhaps, of it, of Bitcoin. There will be some listeners out here who are who have both invested in Bitcoin, perhaps made a lot of money on the way up, and now have seen things going down quite rapidly. Is Bitcoin worthless? Does it have any value? Tell us what your perspective is there. I think Bitcoin will always exist. It does have a first mover advantage in the cryptocurrency space. The question is, what is the value of cryptocurrencies generally? And there has been a view in the crypto community that, hey, we are headed down a path that eventually leads to taking over the global monetary system to where Bitcoin or uh, Bitcoin and perhaps other cryptocurrencies become major currencies that compete with and eventually displace the U.S. dollar at the center of the global financial system. Um, I think that there's an element of that which is right, which is digital currency technology definitely offers the promise of guiding the way to the future. The thing that I think the crypto community has very badly underestimated is that government is going to see, hey, these guys really are onto something. Let's shut them down and steal the idea and do it ourselves. And that's exactly what Christine Lagarde just said. She didn't say it in those words. She said central bankers should start looking at issuing their own digital currencies. They're not shutting down cryptocurrencies yet, and there is a common view that it's impossible. You know, Government is powerless. They can't do anything. That's nonsense. It's true that it would be nearly impossible to regulate the Bitcoin network out of existence. So to just make it suddenly go away would be, there's no way for law enforcement to do that. What you could do is you could make it illegal to convert fiat currency into Bitcoin and Bitcoin into fiat currency and regulate all of the conventional banking system to prevent them from facilitating those transactions. If you did that, you'd still have Bitcoin. It would still be there, but it would become what a lot of people have claimed it is, although it it isn't true yet, which is the tool of drug lords and terrorists and criminals. There would always be a black market for Bitcoin, but if you outlaw the conversion of fiat currency to and from cryptocurrency, you've effectively outlawed it for all intents and purposes, and I think that that's coming. 
When it does come, it will be to make way for governments to promote their own digital currency systems. So and I do think digital currency takes over, but it won't be cryptocurrency. And Eric, let me pursue that angle, the subtitle of your book, The Death of the Dollar. We're talking about global reserve currencies here. How, which right now are determined by the marketplace, which chooses which global reserve currency they prefer. In this new world of digital currencies, how are markets going to choose the digital reserve currency? Is it going to be that China or Russia will have a better mousetrap than the United States or that Russia will be the first mover, both, or something else? Why, why should people be concerned about the dollar's demise? The reason to be concerned about the dollar's demise is because there are so many people around the world that are pissed off at U.S. foreign policy. That's really what is driving it. And the question is, what can they do about it? And you have to ask yourself the question of how is it possible that the U.S. dollar is still the world's global reserve currency 45 years after President Nixon broke the gold peg and effectively defaulted on Bretton Woods? The answer is that there is no alternative to the U.S. Treasury bond as a central bank reserve asset. There simply is no other bond market in the world with the depth and liquidity of the U.S. Treasury market. My contention is that the people around the world who want to see the U.S. dollar replaced as global reserve currency understand this and are asking the question, how could we design a sovereign bond market that could compete realistically as a central bank reserve asset with U.S. treasuries? And my contention, as I describe at the end of the book, is there, that you create a digital sovereign bond market which is designed from the ground up to use technology to offer superior depth and liquidity characteristics to the U.S. Treasury market, even if you're working from a smaller capital base. And I do think mm. that that's possible. Is now, we're nowhere close to that yet. But that's, that seems, I, obviously, I'm f I'm f we're all familiar with the machinations of Europe where they couldn't even issue sovereign bonds to help get themselves out of, of a financial crisis. The idea of a global sovereign market seems even more decades away. How, how plausible are we talking here? I think it's a question, I mean, the, the technology innovations that have been made in the cryptocurrency space definitely pave the way for doing this. Distributed ledger, which is the, uh, the fundamental technical innovation that makes cryptocurrency possible, also makes possible a digital sovereign bond market. The question is, who's going to be motivated to first engineer and build one and then market it? And I think it, it's certainly not going to be the United States that goes around to the Philippines and Vietnam and all of these smaller countries that have U.S. dollar-denominated external debt and say, hey, you'd be better off to re-denominate that debt in a new global digital currency system. But if you look at governments like China and Russia who are, know that they have no chance of promoting their own currencies as a competitor to the U.S. dollar. They're trying to come up with something that can work. If they can come up with a digital currency system and a digital sovereign bond market, they can start marketing that to smaller nations first and start to uh, persuade small nations to redenominate re their external debt not in dollars, but in a new digital currency system. Eventually, if you start in the emerging market world, you start to get the attention of Eastern Europe governments, and as it takes off there, eventually, you know, a lot of people think the euro system is really in serious trouble. So if this were to play out over the next 
10 or 15 years, and at the same time, the European Union continues to have the difficulties that it's having, and issuing more sovereign debt in euros is not appealing, but there has been a new digital system which has emerged and people are being successful with it, you start to have the potential of taking over European market share as well. Now, at some point, the U.S. government has to wake up and say, wait a minute, this threatens our hegemony over the global financial system. When that happens, I think that's when the U.S. government kicks into high gear and says, no, 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 we're in charge here. We're going to create a digital dollar which uh, offers all of these benefits of digital currency, but we're going to keep the dollar at the center of the global financial system. And they've got a huge amount of power to be successful at doing that. Well, so I'm not at all predicting the demise of the dollar. I'm predicting that the dollar will be challenged in a very meaningful way. And let me let me ask a very simple question here, because there'd be people listening to this and thinking, well, that's, that's very interesting. What's the time frame? Are we talking five years, two years, 20 years? What's your best estimate in, if you were to put a simple, single number on it? I would say that the race gets going in within 10 years, and it, pl- it takes at least 20 to play out, okay. to really get to the point of replace. I mean, look at it, it took 20 years just to implement the euro currency. And that was just a matter of designing a new conventional currency and getting a bunch of existing governments onto it. And all of the bureaucracy took 20 years. We're talking about replacing a 75-year-old standard with the U.S. dollar and furthermore replacing it with an entirely digital system. I think it's coming, but it's a long-term outlook. And what's probably going to happen sooner is the introduction of digital currencies as parallel currencies. So you see central bank issued parallel digital currencies, but they're not the dominant uh, currency system in the world. Getting to a replacement for U.S. dollar where there's a digital global reserve currency system, I think it's bare minimum 10 years, more likely 20. Eric, how is this going to affect regular folks? Is it for the better, for the worse? We don't know. Both are possible. Or indeed, for the next 20 years, who cares? I think that it is, there is more risk of an Orwellian outcome. There's huge benefits to to digital currency technology, but one of the benefits, depending on your perspective, is it could be used by governments to, under the auspices of fighting terrorism, to create a system where government is able to track, monitor, and control every penny of wealth in existence so they know exactly who's got it, where they got it from, when they got it, under what circumstances, and they can control and monitor every single transaction every time any uh, amount of, of monetary value changes hands. And I Eric, don't forgive me for jumping. Good for the world. Eric, forgive me for jumping in, but you know, we were talking about that's going to be 10, 15 years from now. But right now in China, we have a government that's pursuing a social credit system that's ba- that sounds very similar to what you're saying, except it's not based on money. It seems like it could happen even faster in authoritarian countries. And I think that that is exactly the risk that we, the people, need to be concerned about, is digital currency could advance society dramatically, or it could make George Orwell's worst nightmare come true faster than we think. Okay, well, we have, we have two minutes left in the show. You've talked about some potentially Orwellian, Orwellian risks. How, would, how, could, how could a listener listening in today benefit from this? What do they what should they be thinking of investing in in order to take advantage of what all might might well be Orwellian, 
But what could they take advantage? What should they be thinking about to, as an investment uh, opportunity? I don't think that speculating in the value of cryptocurrency tokens makes much sense, and that's what most people in this space have done to date. If you're interested in this, it would be looking at the companies that are engineering the technology that will make all of this possible. Okay. Distributed ledger technology in particular is a key area, but there's a huge question as to, you know, we're, we're in the infancy of this industry. Who are the winners going to be? Uh, you didn't want to invest in the Wright brothers when they invented the airplane because they didn't make any money from it. Other people did, and we're still at the infancy of this. So I would say that over the next many years, it's looking at the uh, the tech companies that are engineering distributed ledger technology and security architectures that would play into building a global scale digital currency system. So it's, it's almost uh, like thinking about it in a sense of the railways or the road system. It's the people who provide the plumbing and the infrastructure are, are where the opportunities might be in, in, in many ways um, like the early stages of the internet itself. And, and I think that there is you know, huge, huge, huge opportunity for somebody to be the one to engineer and build a global scale digital currency system and sell it to government. Yeah. Question is who's going to be the one to succeed at that? Yeah. And how do you know ahead of time you know, how to get in? If you've got inside information, that's great. Short <laughs> of that, I, I don't know how to play Well, we, we don't, um, <laughs> but unfortunately on Money Sense, our time always uh, runs too short, or too quickly rather. Hopefully people can either tune into your podcast or read your, read your book and tell us how we get your podcast and read your book. What, where, where do we find these things? The podcast is at macrovoices.com, or you can subscribe on iTunes. And there's a landing page for the book at macrovoices.com forward slash BB for Beyond Blockchain. There you go. Well, for every listener who's intrigued, wants to learn more, just wants to be more familiar, there you go, macrovoices.com, and you can find out a lot more. Eric, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on our show. I'm sure many listeners have um, been intrigued and um, it, Enjoy, very much enjoyed listening to you. It's a, it's a complicated subject and one that I know people are always wanting to learn more about. So thank you very much for your time. Thanks so much for having me. Our pleasure. As a final note, as always, remember our, our show today will be available as a podcast on our website. And encourage you, if you have a question or topic, that please email us at moneysense at candw.ky or tweet us at moneysense radio. With that, thank you once again. Goodbye. And please do tune into Money Sense in two weeks' time. Money Sense is brought to you with the support of OneTradeX. OneTradeX, the Cayman Islands' number one choice for online brokerage. 